hosting for two blokes talking tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for two blokes talking tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Episode 222. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading Two Blokes Talking Tech. My name's Trevor Long. You can follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long. You can follow my friend and colleague Stephen Fennick on Twitter at Stephen Fennick. And you can find all his musings and reviews at techguide.com.au. G'day, Stephen. G'day, Trev. How are you? Very well. We do it all thanks to the good people at netgear, netgear.com.au. And before we get started, I was just thinking, and we haven't pre-thought about this, but I think we need to announce uh, very sad news about the podcast. This is, um, this is our last podcast. For um for the month, uh, because I don't think <laughs> I don't think we're going to get one next week. If I'm honest, Stephen will be in the US, uh, Washington. I will be in Port Douglas and then Melbourne uh, with late night travel. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I want to be upfront with the people. But yeah, here's fair the enough. thing: so two twenty three, you're going to have to wait an extra week. Is that that's what you're right? Saying, but when we're in, when we're in Berlin, I was going to say. But we are going to make that a cracker. We are going to be. Live together in Berlin for uh, IFA, the big uh, trade show in in, uh, in Germany. So we'll, we'll we're just gonna we're gonna take a take a break, prepare ourselves for a very big week. We might even do two in IFA. You never know. Definitely. Just just, uh, just to let you know and our listeners know that that, that this the, your announcement there that it was our last podcast came as a bit of a surprise. I thought, <laughs> hang on, there's something happening here. <laughs> No, very well done there. <laughs> you put it. You put a scare uh, not only into me but into all the listeners too. Well, so it, he was only joking, everyone. It is the last one, possibly for this month. Yeah, yeah. But we're back <laughs> with two twenty three in either a week or a fortnight. So let's not waste any more time. Not that that was a waste of time. That was a quality two and a half minutes. <laughs> but let's get cracking with uh, two blokes talking tech episode two hundred and twenty two. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to two blokes talking tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, the last time we were chatting, Trevor, I was over in New York uh, preparing for the Samsung event. We couldn't really talk about much. It was all speculation. But we did finally get in to see what Samsung had to offer. They had a, as Samsung do, they, they don't do anything by halves with uh, their events in New York. Last year, they launched the Tab S at Madison Square Garden. And this time out, they chose the Lincoln Center, which is a, it's kind of the, the New York version of the Sydney Opera House, you could say, with a lot, a lot of, uh, f- uh, famous performance conducted there. Mm. Uh, the latest performance was from Samsung, the new Galaxy S6 Edge Plus and the Galaxy Note 5. Two pretty powerful devices um, that a lot, some people may think that's an unusual way to describe these phones. Well, uh, I, I say that because the sort of specs they've got under the hood here and the abilities of these devices, they're more computer-like than ever. Uh, these are serious products, 5.7-inch Super AMOLED Quad HD displays, 16 megapixel cameras, really fast. The the displays are really sharp and bright. Uh, and those screens, uh, the dual edge on the S6 uh, Edge Plus, uh, it's, it's just the larger version, of course, of the S6 Edge that we saw released earlier this year. The Note 5, of course, 
continuing in uh, that, that popular line of devices, the Note has that S Pen as well that ejects really, really nicely out of the bottom of the phone and allows you to write on the screen, even in the on the lock screen, which I, I quite like as well. So I think these devices and the timing of these devices are very interesting. Uh, we're talking these are going to be in the market September the 4th. Pricing's already been announced. We'll discuss that in a minute. But I think it's interesting, don't you think, that you know, there's a rumoured Apple launcher, obviously, for the new iPhones, and Samsung have got in ahead of Apple with these new products. Yeah, I... Um I've, I've mulled on this for a bit, to be honest. Um, I think they've done well to get the attention they've got for the devices, but I, if I'm honest, I think the attention is far more than the devices deserve, not because they're not fantastic devices, but, you know, it's a very small market for, for the, for the note. It always has been. And I guess the, the note, I think, actually detracts from the S6 Edge Plus because the S6 Edge, um, has been ridiculously popular for Samsung. More so than they thought, right? So they, they had, uh, manufacturing plans, let alone distribution plans to have the S6 at a, you know, let's say 60 or 70% share of the S6 range and the, and the edge at, you know, the other, when it turned out to be almost the opposite, you know, it's more mm-hmm. than 50% uh, edge sales over the, over the S6. So I actually think they, they, they should have made more of the edge, edge, edge plus on its own. To make it very clearly an, uh, an iPhone six plus competitor because that's yep. exactly what it is, and I, I believe that what they should do is separate the Note entirely from. So they've gone for two big screen devices together. They should separate the Note as an event, as a product uh, on its own, and then they should bring the Edge Plus alongside the S six next year. Yep. So so that you follow a more of an Apple path and, and have that yep. six month separation. Um, yep. the, the market share for, for these huge devices isn't amazing so i just wonder who's buying these devices that's all yeah i think um no that's a valid point i think that samsung you gotta remember when they kicked off the note what four years ago uh everyone was asking why why would you want a device so big and and but now the the move to larger screens has happened and Samsung have been there, well, were there well before anyone else. Mm. So I think they're, they're obviously still pushing this line of devices because they've got, there are some customers, maybe not as many customers as, as the smaller devices, but there are a growing number of customers who are looking for the larger screens. And you have to remember too, the, the Note used to be a product that's launched at IFA, which mm. will be attending in a couple of weeks. That's the Berlin, uh, tech show. Uh, but I think that was going to bring it dangerously close to the iPhone they they wanted to bring this uh, as 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 uh, as an earlier announcement and i heard that the galaxy note 5 was almost going to be called the s6, s6 plus or something like that. yeah so mm. it, it was going to be brought into the s6 family so samsung obviously think that the note has enough branding power on its own to stay, to to retain that brand name and S6 Edge, of course, is going to be part of the S6 family, but I, I do I do take your point though, where the the Note could stand on its own, or the S6 Edge Plus could stand on its own, and uh, it, it's it's that they're going to be in the market just before the new iPhone comes out as well. So whether people are going to wait for the iPhone or want to see these in store. Uh, it's going to be an interesting battle uh, running into Christmas. I um so just to try kind of describe the devices, the it's it's very interesting to me, and I absolutely without question prefer the Note. 
Um, but I also absolutely, without question, prefer the S6 over the S6 Edge. The the Edge, which I used, in fact, only only a week ago for a good uh, week and a half, just annoyed me. Um, the the air, I was I was accidentally touching the screen more often than ever because my fat thumb or something was folded over the edge and it was touching. And it just it was frustrating to me. It, it isn't. I don't believe it's it's as good a device as it's made out to be. So I, I can't imagine how the S6 Plus Edge S6 Edge Plus is going to be. Uh, less frustrating for me. That's an individual opinion. But the Note 5 seems perfect because they've put that edge, the curve, on the back, the which back, is where yeah. you want it. You've seen LG go with the curve back. We've got Motorola going with the curve back on their on their X and their G range. You know, it's clearly a better ergonomic place. So the Note could well be, in my view, the best of the entire bunch, including the S6s, um, mm. in terms of comfort in the hand and, and overall usability. Absolutely. Now I, I think you're right. The the curve and and I've got I've I've been looking at both of them already. The the, the curves uh, mirror each other. So the the note has a curved back and a flat screen, whereas the edge has a flat back and a curved screen. So it's <laughs> they're like the reverse of each other. Yeah. Um, and interesting though, I think that Samsung I think did a good job also to describe the user of each device. So the, the S6 uh, Edge Plus is more for your yeah, your average consumer, uh, multimedia, content consumer, game player. So someone who loves that big screen, whereas the Note 5 is being characterized as kind of the workhorse for your mobile professional, multitasker, someone who gets more out of their product, wants more out of uh, out of their device rather than just playing games and looking at videos. Mm. Um, so I think that they've made that they've made that uh, distinction between the two products, which I think was 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 smart on their part because they do share a lot of similar features, including the processing power, including the screen size and and uh, pixels per inch and the, the camera strength and all those sorts of things. So they did need to make that distinction, and uh, I think they've done a good job with it. The Note 5, and I have to say probably that is that is my favorite of the two. I've been using that since since last week when it was announced. And the, the feature that, that is really cool is the ability to write on the lock screen. So if you were to pull the phone out of your pocket and just simply eject the pen without unlocking, without having to unlock the screen or swipe to unlock or anything, the screen stays black and you can just write a note. And obviously the, the, your writing is white on, on the black screen. And that, that is a really cool way if you need to write a note instantly. What happens to the note? Does it get does saved? It- uh, it does get saved, of course. Yeah, you can choose to delete or save it uh, okay. at that point. So uh, it, it, it's a smart little feature. And I think uh, Samsung Pay, we, we're going to talk about Apple Pay later and its comparison to Samsung Pay, but Samsung Pay is coming to Australia this year and it does allow users to use multiple terminals. So you're not just talking about an NFC terminal, which are, uh, are coming into the market. Not Not every store has that. But what is interesting about the Samsung Pay is that it also works with the more common MST terminals, which is the magnetic secure transmission terminal, so that with the magnetic strips. So that's in use for in way more stores and is going to be far more accessible. So Samsung uh, uh, and, and are keen to get that into the market. And I do know, I was told by uh, the uh, Samsung VP head of mobile, Prasad uh, Gokali, who, who said that it is coming to Australia this year. So we're going to see it really soon. The swipe technology is, that's for the States. I mean, in Australia, swipe is basically dead. Tap and go is in 
far more more terminals. But the problem is in the US, such a big country, so many shops, Tap and Go has taken so long to roll out. That's why Apple Pay is, is amazing because it's new to them. So Swipe is huge over there. I think they're trying to use that for, for the big deal um, in, in the States. I think, though, they'll still have the same problem that we'll talk about later with Apple, uh, with the banks getting on board with that because, um, you know, the banks don't want to relinquish the payment system at all for, for the money that it costs. So, yep. look, Stephen's um, obviously had hands-on time with both devices. Uh, you've got all the news and information. Everything you need to know about these two devices from Samsung is at techguide.com.au. Stephen, and I'm sure uh, as the days roll by, a more full review of each device will, will yes. be there. I'll, I'll do my full reviews, uh, probably uh, time them for early September when the products are actually going to be released in the market. Very good. Read them at techguide.com.au. Now, Vodafone today announced what they describe as their biggest ever plan shakeup. Now, plans and mobile companies are probably the two of the most frustrating words you could ever have um, because they always make it complicated. They always have difficulty between one set of plans. You know, you think about Telstra have their, their Go range and then their other range and Vodafone had their red plans and then their other plans. And look, it is an issue. And I, I think there's reasons for that because there's different markets, there's different people, there's different customers. But Vodafone have made some interesting announcements today. Um, um, the, the first one is what they call a single, a simple promise, unlimited standard national calls and texts in all Vodafone's new plans. Now, yeah. That doesn't mean that everyone who's a Vodafone customer is getting that. You'd need to, if you're an existing customer, you'd need to convert to a new plan, uh, recontract, or simply switch to a new plan. If you've got a great plan now, they, they have to keep them uh, under the kind of grandfather rule. They, they keep them until you, you change. But, you know, unlimited stands, standard calls and texts is a big deal for me. I've, all, I've had that since they launched their red plans. And it's yep. fantastic because it means I've never had to worry about how many texts I send or calls I make. And... For parents, that's a huge thing because kids love making calls and sending texts. Um, so that alone, Stephen, I think is a is a big deal yeah. in terms of simplifying their plans from that perspective alone. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it, it was heading down this path anyway. Let's face it. I think this is this is uh, it was the a uh, huge feature having unlimited calls, unlimited texts. That was wow, a wow factor two years ago, three years ago. But I think now you'll find that. It, it is. It, it's the direction we were heading anyway, and this has just confirmed that. I think um, uh, the 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 whole. I think the whole point of this for Vodafone is to to reduce the amount of confusion with mm. customers. Yep. Also reduce bill shock. Of course, they don't want you opening, getting shocked by these unseen, unforeseen charges, or you've gone over your data limit. So. They've kind of taken a, a like a ramp approach where you, you know that you get you, if you need to come up this ramp that the, that there is going to be a cost and that you're in control of that cost, mm. uh, which is uh, this whole part of their what they're calling their bill shock busting initiatives. And and the two big parts of the bill shock busting from their perspective are data control and international calls. Now, firstly, on international calls, look, a lot of us don't make them, but there is a huge slice of the community, and we're talking, remember, there are millions of Australians who speak another language other than English. Um, there are millions of Australians with relatives overseas. They are making international calls, and they're doing it a lot. 
they've they've created an automated overage. So you know how now on nearly every car, uh, carrier, if you go over your data plan, they don't charge you per megabyte. They just hit you with a, like a $10 for an extra gig. And, and so you don't have massive bill shock in that sense. They've basically yep. introduced that for international calls. So if you go over your, your number of minutes, you just get charged $6 and you get 60 more minutes. So that's great. And, and international callers will love that because, you know, you talk that little bit longer it's only six six extra bucks. Data control, though, this is a big one, and this will hit at Optus, I think, because Optus have got data sharing as well in a very good way. They've introduced at Vodafone um, the ability in the in the My Vodafone app to turn on and off the data for a particular smartphone. So the primary users, so mum and dad, um, can actually go into the app and say, "Hey, little Johnny." Sorry, mate. Data's off, mate. You've been chewing through it. We've all got 10 gig between us, and you've used five in 10 days, mate. You're off. Yeah. And turn off his data. That's an important feature, I think. Uh, You don't want a data hog in the family. You want want them to be fair and reasonable with the amount of data, and uh, that was a a byproduct of the, the sharing options, which... Vodafone obviously is part of that as well. So uh, yeah, I think it, I, I think it could even be, and this you may find this out in the near future, Trev. <laughs> it will be a way to punish your children. Yeah. So righto, I'm turning off your data. Don't yeah. make me do it. The data's being turned off. That's it. It's off. You've, you've stolen my uh, my headline <laughs> for EFTM, but <laughs> never mind that. The, 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 there's no more grounded. The the new grounding is not yeah. is not Cut not being exactly. It's it's <laughs> hey, you, you can go out as much as you like. Enjoy. Go out with your mates, but there's no data. And that's as bad as being grounded when we were kids, I reckon. So yeah, um, they, they've done a lot, Vodafone. Oh, oh, it's one of those funny things. There's so as, much... as long as they don't take away the international $5 a day. Oh, run. mate, it's as simple as this. I'd that's move. a lifesaver for me and you. I'd, I'd be off. I'd be off them tomorrow because I'd yeah. switch around. I would try different carriers, but every time I'm about to think about trying another carrier, we're about to jump on a plane and go somewhere. We're about yeah. to spend you know, five or six days in Berlin. That's 30 bucks, and I can use my phone like I'm at home. Um, hello? You know in Berlin, I can tell you, I've been to Berlin a few times for IFA, and the the first day is trying to look for a place to sell you a, to buy a SIM card. Yeah, not anymore. That's, uh, that's done and dusted now. That's right. Not anymore. Um, for a company that's trying to simplify their plans, their press release was very complicated, but that's because they tried <laughs> to set so much information into, into the release today. Um, but uh, a lot of new stuff there from Vodafone. And you know what? It's complicated. Mobiles will always be complicated. But here's the drum. If you're off plan or you're close to the end of the plan or you're on a month by month, every single month, let alone every three months, pick up the phone or walk into a store and ask them all the question. I make this many calls. I send this many texts. I use this much data. Look at your usage and ask every carrier what's the best thing they can do for you. And trust me, there will nearly always be a better deal because they're always trying to win more customers. So um, it's a competitive market, and that's why that's why the deals keep getting better. Uh, Vodafone's new plans, details on those in the uh, coming days and hours on techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fenning. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, and still can't go past the Arlo Smart Home Security Cameras. No cords, no wires. No worries. That's the slogan. That's the simplicity. The only high-definition, 100% wire-free indoor-outdoor night vision video camera. This is a simple little camera that can be anywhere in your home, anywhere within your Wi-Fi zone, basically, and 
It will record any motion it detects during times of the day or week that you ask it to. It will upload that motion in a video file to the Netgear Arlo Cloud, which is Australian-based, so it's fast. You can then watch that video on your smartphone, on your computer, or anywhere you are. Very easy. It can even even have it emailed to you. It's so simple. You won't go past it. Um, because it's 100% wire-free, there's just four batteries in the bottom. They last about six months or so. I've only replaced mine once, and I've had them for um, a lot more than six months. They're a great little system for keeping your home safe and uh, keeping an eye on things at home when you're not there. Arlo from Netgear. Check them out at netgear.com.au. Now, mate, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I wanted to address it because it, you know, for the average community who millions of people watch 60 Minutes, it was a scary story. 60 Minutes promoted this story heavily as being a, uh, you know, a security worry, a, a concern for mobile phones. And the simple story is this: um, they were able to bring to light and actually demonstrate the technology that is fake mobile phone towers. I'm going to dumb the language down entirely, but essentially um, authorities have this ability, but criminals can also get access with a lot of money and a lot of nows to the technology that allows them to set up a fake mobile phone tower. When you're walking down the street or driving around the corner, your phone moves from tower to tower to keep in touch and keep a, a phone call open or the data downloads happening. And these crims are able to set up a pretend tower that still works and it looks like a normal tower to your phone, but actually it doesn't have the encryption of the normal tower. And the person sitting there running that can listen to your phone call. They can read your texts. And that is extremely worrying. It's It's a huge security vulnerability, but it's not unique to Australia. It's not new. It's It's a big deal that really... The problem is, it's not the biggest deal in security. And I think from my point of view, it's a matter of saying, hey, it exists. It's a worry. But I don't think the average Joe has anything to worry about because what's likely to happen here is they're looking for, you know, a key to you, you know, whether it's your net net bank password or your birth date. What are the chances of a a crim listening in at the exact moment on the exact time at the exact place where you happen to be standing making a call to your bank to hand over that information? It's much more likely that this is being used in kind of industrial espionage, espionage, you know, in big business, million-dollar deals being done, and, you know, a competitor listens in on another competitor to find out the inside running. I think Mm. that's a worry. I think um, monitoring and and listening to politicians could be a worry. But I think in the end, the message is probably more important to spread about things like email scams and that. Um, But Stephen, still a worry. Still a worry that it exists. Yeah, I think the the, uh, 60-minute story was uh, alarming, the the fact that it's uh, how how easily they, they had the, a German hacker on there who demonstrated just how easy it is to to listen in on a call. I think uh, uh, the call between the reporter and Nick Xenophon he he easily tapped into, but it does take some nows. It does take some equipment. It it's not something you can just do uh, easily. Hmm. So um, the 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 that combined with the fact that the likelihood of you being the target of someone listening in on the conversation. Is pretty low. I think that there's there's not much of a worry there. You probably got you probably need to worry more about looking both ways when you cross the road, <laughs> worrying than worrying Very about true. someone tapping into your phone and getting personal information. But Very true. Uh, you know, sixty minutes decided to showcase that and uh, show that it's possible. I think we've known for a while that it's possible. Uh, I'm sure governments and and as you said uh, at the international level, they'd be using this this type of technology anyway to listen to the bad guys. I think there's a there'd be government agencies that that uh, are listening in on, on on certain targets that that are maybe up to no good and 
for them, I say good on them. Keep doing it. Keep yes. using that technology because I think at the end of the day that that, that technology is being used to protect us. Uh, so I think for, for the average mum and dad on the street, uh, average user on the street, I don't think this is going to be cause them to lose too much sleep. Uh, but as I said, there are other there are other greater things to worry about than having your phone tapped. Spot on. If you want to revisit the story, it's on the 60 Minutes website. Uh, um, but it's an interesting one from uh, reporter Roth. Ross Coulthard, but from the two blokes, don't stress. That's what we're saying. But, hey, if you're a multi-bazillionaire and you are stressed about it, call up. We're happy to take your investment, work with you on different <laughs> options and ideas, and uh, yeah. maybe I'll we help you. we charge 5000 an hour, too. Oh, totally, and uh, Stephen's got an app he can sell you. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, there are a lot of people who love to use technology, men and women. Uh, we do need to find ways to carry them around with us uh, and also protect them at the same time. Now, um, STM, uh, Aussie company, has been around quite a while. Uh, the co-founder is Adina, uh, Adina Jacobs. She's uh, started up the company out of her garage in Bondi, and she has been designing bags for quite a long time. And, and being a woman herself, she thought, you know what, we need to design a line of bags just for women. Now, you think about it, that women use tech just as much as men. They buy laptops, smartphones, other devices, but they have to be satisfied with the bag that kind of looks pretty generic. Uh, Until now, the uh, STM have just released the Grace Collection, and this is a lineup of of clutches, small bags, uh, laptop cases, uh, sleeves, I should say, and also bags as well. But the thing about them, they don't look like computer bags mm. and computer sleeves. There's a bit of style, there's a bit of colour, uh, and they're actually named after the. I, thought, I found this really interesting. They named the Grace Collection after a US Navy Admiral, Amazing Grace Hopper. Amazing was her nickname. Grace Hopper, who actually helped develop the world's first programming language oh. that totally turned the computer world upside down. Hey. So she kind of revolutionized the computer world. So that's where Grace got its got its name. I think there'll be a lot of, uh, and we do have, a, I think, a fair share of female listeners, don't you think, Trev? That Bloody oath. Interested in this, that the, but the, the thing, that, the point that I made in my story today is the fact that you can carry around your gear in a bag that doesn't look anything like a computer bag. It, it actually looks quite, quite nice, quite elegant, very stylish, uh, and you can still protect all your devices at the same time. And you know what? Uh, let's not let's not refer to Adina as a bag lady. This is a very smart woman <laughs> who um, who has literally designed this from the ground up because it's an absolute niche in the market. Um, I've actually heard of a couple of companies kind of thinking about this area now. So clearly, um, and there's one a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, the 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 traditional uh, accessory retailers are looking for more to sell, but also your you know women's fashion stores are looking for new things to sell and these can be um these can be countertop items these can be extra revenue for those those places so it's a very very smart move by by SDM the range is uh is exceptional in terms of the design and uh and its usability the idea that you can have a really simple um you know you call it a handbag but it's actually you know a laptop bag that just happens to you know have a long handle like a handbag and in that you know a woman can easily keep all the things she needs for a, a basic day of business or a basic day uh, of, um, you know, even education. A uni student could easily utilise this. So great range of bags. Stephen has all the photos at uh, techguide.com.au. The Grace Collection from STM. 
You know, I'm nearly always right. And um, <laughs> that's not what your wife says. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's just, it's because she doesn't listen, I'm allowed to say that. But um, yeah. I was very wrong about something. And that was, um, what is it, 11 months ago? Maybe, maybe nearly, nearly 12. 11 and a half months ago. We were in, um, we were in, God, where was it? Cupertino, where they launched the, um, the iPhone. That's right. It was out the back of a, of a, of a, a hall there. They built that big bloody white thing. Um, no, that yep. was, yeah, that was the watch and, and the iPhone 6 Plus. So big launch for the iPhone and Apple Pay and all this kind of stuff. And I remember talking about Apple Pay being something that would, almost certainly come to Australia, and I speculated it would come in early 2015. Here we are Hello. in August, and it's bloody tumbleweeds at 20 paces when it comes to Apple Pay. Um, nothing happening, nothing doing. It's launched in the UK, and there was a story in the SMH um, that rightfully said, what the hell's going on, and clearly the banks uh, won't let Apple into the market because Apple wants too much money. The, the problem here is the banks take a fee. When, when, I, when I tap and go my $100 petrol bill, um, the bank does get a bit of cash out of that. The bank makes, you know, a couple of cents, and that's yeah. good for the banks. But Apple, if they're going to have the tap and go in their phones, want to take a slice of that couple of cents. And it, it appears that they're getting a bigger slice in America than than what they might even hope to get here, and therefore the banks are fighting quite hard against that. And the banks yeah. are rightfully holding ground because they think they've already got this. You know, the ComBank think they're amazing because they've got their, their brilliant app, and it is a brilliant app, and they have tap and go on the Android phones. And you can buy a stupid sticker and put it on the back of your iPhone, but it's not Apple Pay. Apple Pay, for all intents and purposes, for my mind, is the most secure um, uh, tap and go payment technology in the world because it uses your fingerprint. You, you, you say, I've got pump number seven, thanks, mate, and a can of Coke. He says that'll be $95. You point, you point at the terminal, you pull out your phone, you don't touch anything, you just pull out your phone, and it automatically turns on, recognizing you want to make a payment. It shows you a credit card. You tap on the credit card, put your thumb on the fingerprint reader, and you've verified and authorized the payment. Someone steals your phone, they don't have your thumb, they can't make a payment. It's secure, it's simple. I will change banks as soon as someone launches it. And Stephen, I think all it's going to take is for one bank to switch, one bank to turn it on, and they all have to follow. But bloody hell, it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting – obviously, Apple's recognised this, that they're not just doing this because it sounds good. They're doing this because they want to make money. They've noticed that, that they know that this is an area where there's a lot of revenue to be made. And, of course, they, they're talking to credit card companies and, and they, they, you are, you're right, they're trying to sort of push the bank out of the equation and banks, rightfully so, are, are digging in their heels to protect that revenue. Now, we, we mentioned earlier Samsung Pay uh, and that too is going to be secured with a fingerprint uh, and, or, or with a, with a, uh, a pin mm-hmm. and it will also have a one-off encryption of that particular. So you never share your credit card information. Uh, I believe Apple Pay is the same thing, so it generates a one-off code for that transaction so yep. you, you you never your credit card information never leaves your device um, in terms of Apple trying to get to trying to get their foot into the market now I think that I, I, w- I would believe that they've been they're pretty they're, they're pretty aggressive and, and as we've seen with other with other things they've done in the past with you know d- dealing with telcos and other companies and and, and retailers and all these sorts of things there are it, it's their way or the highway 
And because because everyone wants to buy iPhones and Apple Watches and these sorts of devices, and of course the telcos are going to allow them to to uh, have have the upper hand in the deal because they're still going to make money as well. Mm. Uh, in this case, they're up against a totally different opponent, uh, the banks, and they're cashed up. They've been doing it a lot longer than Apple has, and Apple uh, and you know whether whether you call it arrogant or what. Assuming that they're just going to waltz in and take it over, well, the banks have obviously got something uh, a different opinion about that. And whether when it starts in Australia, we'll see which which uh, companies are going to join in and who's who's going to be there. Uh, I think uh, time will tell. But that's obviously the sticking point here. Mm. There are it's obviously used in the US. Uh, the UK was the most recent uh, country to join. Well. I honestly, I can't see this happening before next year. Yeah, uh, it's going to take some time. It's tragic, and uh, the funny—I mean, just imagine the negotiations. You've got, you know, hundred-dollar bills as loose change as, as as negotiations. This is a company with a couple of hundred billion in the bank negotiating yeah. with Commonwealth Bank, who make nine billion a quarter a year. I mean, it's just seriously, people, just cut us some slack, give us the feature. And let's all move on. But uh, anyway, that's just my opinion. We shall move on. We shall hope. And maybe one day we'll take a bet as to when it'll come on. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long and Stephen at Stephen Fennick with a PH. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, there's been a video that uh, has... As well, it has gone viral. There's been more than 30 million views, I think, in about two or three days. And it shows a guy posing as a 15 year old on Facebook, friending underage girls, and seeing in an experiment, seeing if they would allow him, agree to be, to meet, to go to their house, and even get into a car with someone that they haven't met. Now, the most interesting aspect of this video is that the parents were in on it. Mm. The parents in this experiment, they had faith that their daughters wouldn't hmm. meet in the park or open the front door or Bum-bum. get in the car, and all three failed. And the the, the person behind it, a, a guy named Kobe Person, is uh, someone I happened to run into in New York. I was about to do a live cross to Studio 10 to talk about the Samsung uh, S6 Edge Plus and the Note 5, and this guy happened to be in in the studio ahead of me, and we got chatting, and uh, I discovered that he was the guy behind this video. We got talking, and he said that, I asked him, one of the questions I asked him, the, the interviews on my Tech Guide podcast, for those who want to see it, and I've also done a story on Tech Guide. Uh, I asked him, I said, what, what made you think of this? What, why, uh, why make this in the first place? And he actually uh, said that this actually happened in California, a, a man uh, posing as a 20, or 27-year-old man posing as a teenager actually was grooming a young girl, actually met up with her, and the father of that girl actually caught them together uh, and beat up the guy was a, was uh, who who had who'd contacted his daughter. Mm. Uh, that made news in California, and that's what KB Person decided to uh, would be an experiment for his uh, YouTube channel. He's got like 1.2 million followers on his channel, so uh, he, he's uh, used to making these types of video, but nothing like uh, uh, this video, which has gone absolutely viral. His most successful video ever. Uh, if you're a parent uh, and you do have children, I think it's essential viewing to uh, to uh, show the, the dangers out there. Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, 
it uh, it was a bit scary to see, you know, a couple of the dads, you know, just getting crazy on their kids because they'd, they'd fallen for it. But, you know, the point is, it's it's unfortunately very easy. And I look at, um, I look, it's funny, it's not just kids that do this. You know, I, I've had these um, stupid bloody Facebook messages pop up, you know, hi, I'd like you to be my friend or, you know, hi, honey, or whatever. And this, I love the, you long time. Is yeah, I love you long time. Um, <laughs> the worst part is, mate, you click on them. Here, here I've got one here. It's from um, Adriana, someone or other, and she goes, my dear, you look very handsome and sweet. Can we be friends? <laughs> and and it says, works in the U.S. Army, lives in Kabul, Afghanistan. But here's the, here's the worst is part. Is it on Facebook? This is on my Facebook messages. <laughs> one mutual friend. It better not be me. No. It's, I'm not going to name him, but he's someone that should know better, but you know, doesn't and has clearly just, it's one of these people that clearly accepts everyone's bloody friend requests. The point about Facebook and the thing that parents need to do is be aware of who their kids are chatting to and who they're friending because, and you can do that. I mean, the rules are simple. Kids, uh, you're not on Facebook while you're living under my roof unless I've got your password and I'm checking your account every day or week. And you can check their message. You can read their messages. And I'm sorry, that's the world we live in, unfortunately. It's, just bloody hard, and um, I feel for the parents in these situations. I, I also feel for the girls because, you know, they, they kind of look humiliated in a sense, and um, you, know, you have to wonder what well, they're thinking now, but, geez, they've learned a lesson, haven't they? Better, better than looking humili- better better looking humiliated than something far worse. Oh, I think totally, the, totally. The point, the point to make here is that this, this guy could have been a pedophile. He could have been a rapist or a murderer. You don't mm. know. The, the, the woman, the, the most dramatic one is the woman, the girl. She's, I think she's 12 or 13. Maybe oh, she might even be the 14 year old. She was told, uh, during their little chats that, look, I'm coming by my brother's car. I'm not driving, but just, it's a white van. Just hop in. And mm. she did. Mm. She hopped in the van. Parents are in the back saying, you know, this this guy, we would might never have seen you again if yeah. this had been a pedophile or a a, a rapist, a murderer. Yeah. You 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 would have disappeared. Unbelievable. So it is it is trauma. Look, it, it and and a lot of people have reacted to this. You know, it's traumatizing. You know, it's trying to traumatize girls if they watch it. But I think I think that's the point. That's probably best reaction. That that's probably the best effect because it's they're going to think twice about a accepting pe- new friends on Facebook and b chatting with people and meeting up with people they've never met. Yeah. So I think um, that hence the reason why this video has just been everywhere and this guy's been doing every. He was telling me he's been offered hosting jobs on TV and he's uh, it's everywhere. This this video and well worth checking out if you are a parent. Uh, and even sitting down with your child and, and watching it with your child as well because uh, they need to learn that, mm-hmm. that you can't not, – not everyone can be trusted online. You need to be very careful. Caution has to be used there. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned Facebook earlier with, with the family rules. The rules for my kids when they joined Facebook was that they had to be my friend on Facebook. Though they couldn't cut me as their friend. They had to be my friend and their mum's friend as well. So we could look. We're not going to interfere. We we're we not, you know, talking to them all the time and embarrassing them or anything. We just wanted to see what they're up to, and make sure they're not mixing in the wrong circles there. And we were, uh, yeah, just asking them and talking to them about, you know, not accepting people you don't know and things like that. So very important for parents to take a role there and to to uh, be sure their their kids are kept safe. Very good, and you can listen to that entire interview uh, with uh, Kobe Person uh, on the Tech Guide podcast from this week. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Two Stalking Tech.
You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And look, I've decided to add some uh, huge value. The show's going to a great length this week. Uh, we're probably going to go well past 40 minutes because, you know, we're taking this is the last show for August. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to end it as always with Stephen's Minute Reviews, starting with an app, Stephen. That's right, yeah. Movie of the day is the app. And I'm a movie lover, as you know, Trevor, and getting a movie at a bargain price is something I'm always interested in, and that's exactly what Fox are offering. This is a movie of the day app, 20th Century Fox home entertainment that offers a digital high-def movie each day at a discount price. So think of it as like catch of the day for digital movies straight download, uh, download from iTunes. It's an iPhone, iPad app. Uh, and you can get movies up to 75% off. And I'm not, I'm not talking about old, boring movies. I'm talking about recent hits like X-Men uh, and other films, Planet of the Apes, Alien, The Sound of Music even, Ice Age, plenty of favourites there, Die Hard, a lot of these films that are very popular and for each day, if you have this app, you can see that deal of the day and the movies are actually as cheap maybe a dollar more expensive than renting the movie mm. on iTunes. So you might as well pony up the extra dollar and you can keep the movie rather than just renting it. So movie of the day, it's a free app that will offer you one movie every day at a bargain price well worth checking out. The X-Men First Class, great example, was the movie of the day, of the day a week ago. It was just $3.99. How can you say no to that? You movie can't. of the day app. Check it out. Check it out, techguide.com.au. Well, we wrap it up with a nice hot cup of coffee. It's the first coffee machine I've reviewed on Tech Guide. Really? This is the Nespresso Latissima Touch. Now, there's plenty of tech under the hood here, so hence the reason why it made it on a Tech Guide in the first place, that and the fact that I love coffee and would uh, and really enjoyed reviewing this unit anyway. It's pretty small. It's only 17 centimetres wide, 31 centimetres long, so it's not a, not, not going to hog too much bench space. So really easy to set up, uh, available in three colours, red, white, or black. Now, anyone who's who knows Nespresso, obviously they uh, the capsules, you put the capsule in, you can either you can froth the milk. There are other models that froth the milk separately. You've got to pour it into the cup separately, but not so with the Latissima type. There is a, a, a RCS, which is a rapid cappuccino system on the front of the device <laughs> with a spout that goes into your coffee cup. So you just need to press buttons to make your coffee. There's no pouring. There's no mixing. It all does it automatically. Now, the touch buttons on the top allow you to control the type of coffee, the amount of coffee, as, to, as with the milk as well. Now, one little thing that I didn't like about the machine is that I, I like my coffee on the hotter side. Now, with the uh, Latissima Touch, it didn't quite give me the hot coffee I was after, and its solution was to run hot water, so to preheat the cup. So you could either, you, to do that, you had to uh, press the button, so run the machine without a capsule in it, so it just pours just hot water into the cup. Now, mm. to do that, uh, that takes obviously a little while. It does heat up the cup nicely, and then once you're done with that, you just empty the hot water, then go with your coffee, then it's hotter. 
Uh, that was that kind of was a bit time consuming. At the end of it, I, I was just going, putting it in the microwave for twenty seconds just to make it hotter. But that's me. I like hot coffees, really hot. Every, everyone else may be uh, happy with the temperature that the, the Latissima Touch does produce. Now, it's not a cheap device. It's six hundred and forty nine bucks, but it does offer a lot of convenience. And if you've got milk left into the uh, in the RCS, the Rapid Cappuccino system, you can just simply pop it off the front and leave it in the fridge for the next time you want to make your coffee. So that milk stays nice and fresh. Six forty nine Latissima Touch. It's actually made by DeLonghi, uh, and this is an espresso machine. So it takes the espresso capsules as well as all the other generic capsules now that are available on supermarket shelves. So they are made to be compatible with an espresso machines as well. Latissima Touch by DeLonghi, six hundred and forty nine dollars. Check it out at TechGuide.com that I use. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And that's a wrap. We'll uh, do it again um, from Berlin at the IFA uh, Tech Trade Show. There's a lot going on over there. Sony, LG have uh, press conferences, among with others, beforehand. There's a lot going on over there, Stephen, but it's my first time. Stephen's a, an old hand at it, but uh, we'll, I look forward to being uh, in Germany for the first time and uh, talking tech with you, my friend, in uh, just two weeks from now. Avida Zane. Oh, absolutely. Oh. I think that's German. i got nothing. <laughs> I didn't even know where Berlin was until I looked it up. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week. Thanks to the good people. Uh, we'll be back then. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. You can follow us on Twitter at Stephen Fennick, at Trevor Long. And if you've got something to say, even if it's just hi, use the Ziggy Zaggy hashtag. Talk to you then and uh, stay well. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.